Welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. I'm Pete Clark, your host, The Whispers Guy. It appears that work expands to the time that we give it, and I started to explore how I was investing my time and effort, particularly on Fridays. It's evolved to an explanation and experiment with time, energy, attention and identity, and a mindset shift from I have to to I choose to. So if you're interested in exploring some changes to the way that you invest your time and your energy, if you'd like some tips on the way as you make some changes perhaps to your identity, if you would like the freedom of I choose to away from I have to, then this is the podcast for you. So welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. Welcome to this week's Freedom Fridays podcast. Now this is part two. I was chatting to Anna about some of the changes she was making last week and we just continued talking and I felt there was so much value in what she was saying. I thought I'd split it into part to two parts. So this is part two. Last week was part one. So welcome to episode 26 of the Freedom Fridays podcast with Pete Clark and Anna Rain. And I, I, I'm going to make a turn if I may and, and sure, tap sure. into your experience. But the bridge I'm going to use is two of those questions that I think are fantastic in helping people consider if they're going to make a big change. Right? If we go back to the original intention of Freedom Fridays is making a big change in your life. And what yeah. I picked up with what you said, there's two, there's, there's a number of things you should consider. Two key questions to consider. One, what or who can you count on? And two, what soothes your nervous system? And I think given that some thought and some consideration, some pondering, that will then make the leap that someone might make. Not necessarily any less scary, but you're kind of wearing a little bit of a, you know, a bit of a life vest. Yes. You know, if you do fall, you can count on mum and dad's home. If you do fall, if I do get anxious, I can go and take that warm bath with roses and I can just soothe my nervous system. If you've got those kind of go-tos when things do go not the way you would like them to go, then that's yeah. probably a good thing to consider. Yeah, and I think the third one would be what's the what's the environment that I find myself in? So, yes, it's the support network, yeah. but it's also um, taking care of uh, the physical environment that you're in. So, you know, the, the old... And, and maybe this is not for everyone, Pete, so I, I can't, I can't speak for, for all of mankind as much as I'd like to. Um, but actually taking care of your physical environment, yeah. whether it's organizing your bookshelf the way you have color coded or whether it's just cleaning out the junk that lives in that drawer that yeah. always surprises you. How does it breed in there? Yeah. But there's something about creating order in the place that you can mm -hmm. that is not detrimental to your health. So working with a couple of girls that have had anorexia um, and understanding that their way of creating order or control is controlling what they're eating. And that's, that, that's not always a positive thing. And so what can I control in a world where, if we go back to the VUCA thing, it's like, it's like I've left one shore and I'm in this churn and I haven't yet reached the other shore, which I know I'm heading towards. So when I'm in the middle of this turbulent sea, what can I control that is healthy for me? 
So controlling what I'm eating may not be the right thing, but controlling a, an appropriate level of exercise. So it's not about doing masses of exercise because that's like an, a, an addiction like any other. Yeah. But it's like what can be healthy and who is my support network? What is the environment that I find myself in that I can control that and make it neat and calm mm. and so that I can have a beautiful smell in the rooms that I walk into and that there isn't mess everywhere yeah. because that is a something that I can control yeah. um, in a healthy way, not an obsessive way, but in a healthy yeah. way. So I think it's who's my support team, what's my environment, and what yeah. are the elements of that environment can I control and make yeah. beautiful to support me, and what are the self-soothing things that I can do when it does get bumpy? And also, too, there's probably a bit of a belief thing too, Pete, which is, I mean, it was you that talked to me about that lovely metaphor about the light sensor. When you step outside, the light sensor comes on. If you stand where you are, it goes off and you're back in the darkness. And it's only in taking that first little step you know, what is that one step to better that the light comes back on and helps show you the path. And I, and I often think about that. So it's, it's about what small steps can I take to start the process and, and recognizing that I am just in the middle of this choppy water. And as long as I'm clear about that, what the shore looks like, the, where I'm heading to, then I just have to ride out this choppy change. Mm. And I kind of go, okay, I'm 18 months into that change. Mm. And I know 18 months sounds like a long time, but I'm now sort of landed on the other shore almost Mm -hmm. going, right, what's next? How do I build a pipeline of clients in Australia? And how do I look at what the future holds in terms of travel and, Mm. and, and changing the way I'm wired? Because my identity has always been about travel. Yeah. And it may no longer be. So how do I start playing with a different identity? Right. Um, and maybe it is about a new identity around cooking. Oh, <laughs> um, Lou, we, we could probably do a conversation just on that. I'm just going to ask you a question about identity yeah. because unfortunately it's been a little bit hijacked in the press and it's become this sensitive topic, you know, identity politics, identity this, identity that. And yet, as you and I would understand, it's, it's how you see yourself. And if somebody wants to make a change, big or small, personal or business, um, they know, well, maybe they don't know, but we know there needs to be an identity shift to happen for it to sustain. Whatever comes first, not sure. You could stop smoking and then go, I'm a non-smoker. Or you could believe you're a non-smoker and that causes you to stop smoking. You know, chicken and egg, I don't really know. Um, any advice for anyone that is looking to shift and change their identity from to anything that you've come across that might help someone do that? So if they went from, you know, working in corporate to becoming an entrepreneur, um, working in a team to leading the team, if they wanted to go from, you know, whatever the change was, any advice or tips for anyone that wants to that recognizes the importance of an identity shift? Yeah, and I think I think I think the first thing that I would say is it's. I mean, this has also been in the in the press. It's identity fluidity, yeah. which is, sounds much more. There's a lot more sting to that than I than I mean. But it's like, what stories do I tell myself? So, um, 
and what bold choices might I make um, so that, uh, for example, um, you know, I've got a lovely friend who said recently, you know, I'm a light sleeper. And I said, you know, are you? Or is, <laughs> is that, is that just, the story you're telling yourself? Is that a story you're telling yourself? Yeah. Because, you know, she, she records her sleep on her app and she's like getting 86 score, 86, nice. which is a great score, right? Pretty, so she's, she's actually, yeah, so she's actually got statistics, she's got evidence, yeah. data that says she's a great sleeper. Yeah. But she will still refer to me as a great sleeper. Like, I mean, I always joke, you know, I sleep like rock in desert. And how would she know? And, and what is it that she, why does she, now, of course, she's going to, so she's just, she's just decorated her bedroom and she has no curtains. And I said, well, why don't you move in there? And she goes, well, I can't sleep in there because there's no curtains. I'm a light sleeper. <laughs> so you start to go, wow, your identity, your story you're telling yourself is preventing you to take action because she wants to sleep in her nice new room. It's yes. just she can't get us curtains delivered because of COVID. Yes. So it's like if I notice my story is stopping me from doing something, then maybe I need to change the story. Yes. So um, the fact that I sleep like a rock in the desert is fantastic because yes. it means that I can sleep anywhere. In the same way as I have a story that says, I'm not really that interested in cooking. I'm not a great cook. And if I want to, if I want to eat better, which is clearly part of my goals at the moment, then how does that story serve me? And hey, just for fun, change the story. If I was a great cook, what would I be doing? And who says I'm not a great cook? I'm just not a great cook right now. Yeah, yeah. I am a great cook. I just haven't learned how to. Yeah, I just haven't been exercising that great cookness. Because yeah. you could, again, so picking up on that simple thread, you could argue that in certain realms of your life, you are a great friend, daughter, facilitator, creator. So you're a great something. So if you chose to focus your energy and attention on cooking, yeah. you could be a great cook. Now, you might not be in comparison to the great cooks of the world ever, but you could yeah. be great in terms of your aspirations so I, I think that what precedes our identity the story is the i'm a or i'm not yeah yeah i'm, a, I'm a great sleeper so quickly. i'm a poor sleeper you know. and the irony is you know all of us have different hats and identities you know i'm a son i'm a husband i'm a father i'm a mate i i run a business i'm a facilitator you know i could reel off all of the i'm as yeah and a whole list of i'm nots yeah. And one of the really simple but profound and not necessarily easy but simple tri- t- tricks I've been given is to be one step removed by saying I'm I'm someone that's having the thought I'm a light sleeper and not had by the thought I'm a light sleeper. Yeah, nice. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. Because when we have when we're had by the thought, there's no there's no observation of it. We're, you know, subject to it. As yes. opposed to I'm having the thought that I'm a light sleeper gives us the opportunity to go, is it serving me or not? And then building on that, you have the confirmation bias yeah. where your antenna is up for examples of where you sleep lightly. You <laughs> yeah. see, I told you I'm a light sleeper. Yeah. Now, you know, the other night when she was going to sleep in the bedroom, it was a, a night where the moon was the, you know, the big, biggest full moon. Like the sun rising. 
and and I and I sent her a text message later going, did you sleep in the room? Because it would have been like I woke up and the, my room was filled with moonlight, which I happen to love, right? And then I roll over and go back to sleep. She And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, this is going to be so tough for her. So here's the thing. She can find evidence that proves she's a light sleeper if that's what she's got her antenna up for. Um, so not only do you have to be responsible for the story you tell yourself, but it's then how do you continue to support that? Now, she could also say, I used to be a light sleeper. Yeah. And in recent times, I have a sleep score of 86. I am now a great sleeper. Yeah. I sleep like a rock in a desert. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's just fascinating. What are you using as evidence? And I think that lovely word, yet, yeah. is really helpful. Like, I'm not a great cook, yet. Yeah. But, you know, I can follow a recipe. I'm good at smells. I'm good at creative things that look beautiful. So who says I can't take those skills and apply them to cooking? And I love making things for people. So who's to say that that can't be food? And I can't look at that and go in the same way as I look at my craft, whether it's my facilitation craft or whether it's my uh, knitting, um, and go, I can apply those same skills across to cooking. So who says? You've you've triggered a thought for me that, you know, in our world of facilitation and coaching, um, some of my favourite opportunities are one word turnarounds yeah yet would be one yeah yeah. and would be another yeah maybe be another yes have you got any kind of one word or a couple of phrase turnarounds that can just turn someone's thinking i think there's a yeah they're not necessarily one word turnaround but um I think the the question bit, so um, imagine if is a big one for me. Okay. So when, when someone's locked with I'm a poor sleeper yeah. or I'm a light sleeper, mm. um, you know, imagine if you weren't, what would be possible? So just to kind of let, let, let that grip go or wouldn't it be wonderful if, mm. you know, some of those questions that it, now, I think it was, um, I actually think it was Einstein who said imagination is, is, is as important as data. Yeah. And so for me, there's something about that imagine. So imagine that you were a chef in um, Stein's restaurant. What would you be doing? So you don't need to say, but I'm not. It's like, well, imagine if you were, you know, what would you be doing? Mm-hmm. And if you were a marathon runner, what what exercise would you be doing to support that? Mm. So it doesn't matter whether you are or you're not, but is that unlock going to help you play and experiment? And what if you were, what would you be doing? Yeah. If you were a novelist, what would you be doing? You'd be doing your morning pages every morning. You'd That's be right. writing every single day, even if it was just a couple of paragraphs. That's right. But you see, I don't do that because I am somewhat dyslexic. But is that true or is that just some story I made up? I yeah. can't spell. Well, you know, who says? I can't spell yet. I remember when I was 10. And you can't so, sing. You've already said that, right? That's yeah. a story. That's a story. Who made That's that funny. up? I made that up. Um, and I remember, I remember consciously doing this. And I don't know whether this is the climate or circumstance but i remember at 10 years old out playing with my mates 
wherever we lived. And I was a little bit jealous of the attention that those that got hay fever got. <laughs> I want what you've got. If How ridiculous, you've got a right? broken arm, I want that How ridiculous too. that I'd want to get. Now, guess what yeah, happened yeah. a year later? You got hay fever. I started to get hay fever. Now, is that because of the grasses and the pollen in my age? I don't know. But it seems yeah. a little bit coincidental that I said. Manifested. I manifested yeah. an identity called I'm now a hay fever sufferer. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Louise Hay would probably have a lot to say about that. But it yeah. just makes sense that if you convince yourself at some sort of unconscious level, yeah. um, I'm sure there's huge power in that. Yeah. And, and I think for me it's just about not being stuck, just having a little bit of a little bit of looseness around the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, maybe yeah. they're true and maybe you can find lots of evidence to support them and maybe they're, maybe they're just the current situation. Hmm. And I'm really conscious of time and we have yeah. blethered for a long time, which I'm really grateful for. Thank you. Thank you for editing. <laughs> well, I'm probably going to split this into two, right, because I've got another couple of questions. And if you wouldn't mind sharing... Given how you've described your current environment, as in you do live on your own, mm. um, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that perhaps have similar circumstances. How do you cope with that? Uh, I, I think there's human contact is the first thing, like okay. making sure that because it's really, for me, it's super easy to disappear into the cave yeah, yeah, yeah. And if so I'm on feeling... On any forum or physical contact? Uh, any forum, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a text, an email, a call, yeah. a wave through the window, a whole, hello to a stranger on the street. Yeah, so staying... So for me that, you know, if I'm feeling a bit wobbly, the easiest thing to do is to retreat, you know. Yeah. And so b- being aware of that pattern of behaviour and going, ooh, I can't let that happen. So um, my lovely nephew lives quite close, so we'll quite often meet in Rushcutters Bay Park. I go via the wine shop. I buy a bottle of wine. I think it's bribery, but, hey, who cares? He's in his 20s. Uh, I buy two bottles of wine, one for him, one for me. We have a lovely walk. We were walking around Rushcutters Bay the other day, and there was a sea lion there. I mean, go figure. And you go life-affirming experience that we shared together. So, and we've both got our masks on. He looks so funny because he's got a big bushy beard. He looks like a little bit like Ned Kelly. And so the beard pops out the bottom, which is hysterical. Um, but he, which, and I really respect the fact that he is wearing his mask even outside walking with me. So it's a great thing. But I think it's main, for me, it's going, even if I don't want to, maintaining that human contact. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one thing for me. I think another thing for me is having those hobbies having those things that can actually fill those, you know, you finish work at six or seven or whatever time it is, you don't go to bed till whatever time. What do you do in that chunk? So do you have different chapters in your day? So I can have a a jigsaw chapter and then I can do something else so that at the end of the day, my day hasn't just been about work. There are different things that I've achieved or enjoyed that are little vignettes that form part of my day. Mm. So staying in contact with people, having hobbies or different things I can do, even if it's just like I read, like I read a lot anyway, but um, 
taking the time to read two chapters of a book. Yeah. I think that the trap for me is falling into all of those things that are going to make me feel bad. Yeah. So watching junk television, yep. eating junk food, drinking yep. wine, you know, I, I, I tend not to drink during the week just because it's like I don't want, I don't need anything to feel bad about. Right. Yeah. I don't need more things to feel bad about. Mm. And so it's paying attention to things that make me feel good and give me a sense of achievement yeah. beyond work. Because I think the temptation is, you know, I can keep working all night. Yeah. But yep. I've definitely fallen into that trap sometimes. Yeah. But it's about leaving that behind and going, hey, wow, I've just knitted another three squares. Mm. My poor mother. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be grateful one day. Yeah. Um. For, for years, I've used a, a, an analogy around change, um, partly because of some of the what we've done. Um, people often see change as, you know, win-lose. And I use the metaphor of uh, moving day. When you move house, you have the date in the diary. And up to that date, you start to pack. And in the packing, you make some choices, usually, of the stuff you're going to keep and the stuff you're going to lose. The stuff you're going to get rid of, that goes to the tip or, you know, transfer clear out. The stuff you're going to keep because it's got a perfect place in the new place, which means you're probably not taking 100 percent of your stuff. Uh-huh. Darker 80 percent, which leaves 20 percent opportunity for something new when you get there. Mm-hmm. So this concept of change being lose, keep, gain rather than win, lose. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, right? yeah. So when we make changes, but we might lose some stuff some of which we might be glad of or sad of, but we get to keep some stuff. And yeah, we also, yes. in the new environment, in the new place, we get some gain because we can find things anew. Yes, beautiful opportunity. I'm interested in your shift from London to here that, you know, <laughs> hasn't turned into a choice, but it is now. What, what do you felt you've lost? <laughs> Well, let's just cover the packing. So I left my apartment, closed the door and the fridge, and eventually a couple of months later, a friend went into the apartment when they were out of a period of lockdown and uh, dealt with the scientific experiment that was happening in the fridge. He also organised the packers to come in and pack my personal belongings, which were all my clothes and all my ornaments and things like that. And and apparently, somehow, um, 80 boxes of my belonging, which is somewhere in Hemel Hampstead as we speak. Right. Um, So it was an interesting notion of keep, lose and opportunity. So arriving in Australia for my first winter with no winter clothes. Yeah. Um, was an opportunity to pick up a few little things. Yeah. But I think, um, if, so, so that's a, a benign example, but I, I think there is a sense of really valuing certain things. So, for example, my friends in the UK, and I find it challenging to stay in contact because, you know, there's a time zone thing. There's a, like, what were you doing last week? Um, you know, in Australia, it's like I'm in lockdown. Nothing happened since last week. So, but, but I value those relationships. Um, and I think that's the thing that taking a step away from it, there's a whole lot of clothes in Himmel Hempstead that are yeah. currently being eaten by moths. Yeah. I'm going to pull those out after paying for storage for a period of time and go, goodness gracious, why did I keep them? I know. But the things that are important, 
I think I'm investing time and energy into. So what frightens me is losing those friendships and what can I do to make sure I maintain those, which is not easy because there's no sort of face-to-face contact. Yeah. yeah. Does that sort of answer the question? Not really. Well, because I was, I was, I was, I was thinking about that. We, when we make changes like this, we often assume it's either all downside or all upside. And yet there's a little bit of downside, but we get to keep some things. So if we can focus, for example, on retaining our relationships, retaining some of the special mementos, retaining some of the books that you might have cherished over the years, you get to take those into the new world. But like you say, in your circumstance, the opportunity it presented for you was to get some new Aussie winter clothes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the opportunity presented was to reconnect with the friends that, you know, guys that I went to, guys and girls that I went to school with. Yeah. So, you know, some new relationships. That, you know, I have a richer relationship with my nieces and nephew. Yeah. So that's the upside. Yeah. You know, I'm now actively part of their lives and that's just delicious. And I'm looking after, you know, I'm not looking after. My parents are incredibly independent and they would, die if they thought they were being looked after by me but what is lovely is I'm around so I can rush up there and fix their technology and do jobs in the garden and stuff like that which you know is a long long way from London to be able to do that and so that's a real upside so it's paying attention to valuing the things that are important like the friendships I have in the UK and also paying attention to what new things or what valuable things I'm gaining by being here. Yeah. And and also, too, there's something, Pete, about the win-lose, the, the notion of binary. So I am living in Australia now, but who says that I'm not going to be able to go and visit when the world mm. opens up and, mm. and there's a bit more free travel? So it's just for now. Mm. Anna, I'm really grateful for your time. I'm more grateful for your transparency and, and vulnerability i'm going to pause our conversation there i'm going to finish with uh five quick fire questions that you sure. don't know are coming so the first thing that pops into your head and then we'll say our thank yous and goodbyes the first question is this um what's your favorite aussie word um beauty like as in beauty, as in, you, you as, beauty. In, as in new beauty all yeah. right cool What's your least favourite Aussie word? Um, oh, least favourite Aussie word. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't meant to be that taxing. Sorry. No, it wasn't meant to be that taxing. Uh, okay, okay, what's the next question? I'll come back to that one. Okay, cool. Um, what's a rule you live your life by? Uh, everyone's on their own path. Cool. And what's a rule you like to break? Um, you have to do this. <laughs> Anytime someone says you have to, I'm going to break that. Okay. Um, There's another little one about a rule that I live my life by, which, you know, please cut this out when you're editing, which is I'd rather die of thirst than drink from the cup of mediocrity. Ooh, oh, I think I'll be nicking that one. Yeah, but you can delete that. that. <laughs> I think I might be using that. that one tomorrow. Um, and that's very much applied to me. That's not how I judge others, but I kind of like, you know, I am. I have a perfection bias, but it's only for me. It's not for yeah. everyone. And it's like, 
yeah, so I, I get enjoyment out of beautiful handwriting. And anyway, yeah, moving on. They're supposed um, to be quick. That's <laughs> Sorry. All right. Three questions. Three questions. If yeah. hell exists and you were sent to hell, what would you hope the devil says to you at the gate? Don't worry, there's uh, dogs in here as well. <laughs> okay. If heaven <laughs> exists and God meets you at the gate, what would you hope God says? There's dogs in here as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, the hell thing, if hell does exist. Um, yeah, you'll get time on your own. No, I think it's you know, something about dogs, right? Right. In this weird time, they are just, you look into their eyes and you go, you guys have been here before. They've been here before, yeah. Final question. Yeah. A book that's changed your life. Ah, so many, Pete. So <laughs> many. I knew you were going to say I that. I was just going to look at my, oh, my God, there's so many books that's changed my life. Or a book that's currently changing your life. Um, a book that's currently changing my life. Oh my goodness, Pete. It's just too hard to answer. Um, I think actually, interestingly, Bird by Bird. Bird you know by that Bird. One? Okay. No, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Bird by Bird. That's an interesting recommendation. Yeah. Okay. It's a very interesting, it's about, it's actually about writing. Okay. And uh, that's very interesting. Uh, the other one I'd say that just springs to mind is um, Julia Cameron's Artist Way. The Artist Way, yeah. Yeah, The Artist Way has definitely changed my life. It's on my list of to-be-read books that are sitting on my bookshelf. Yeah. And um, Bronwyn Oliver's um, sculpture. Okay. Bron- Bronwyn Oliver's sculpture is, a, is, a, is beautiful as well. Excellent. Thank you. Anna, thank you again for your time and transparency. It's been a uh, a lengthy. <laughs> sorry, Pete. Sorry. In, stop apologising. Stop <laughs> apologising. It's been a lengthy in-flow conversation, I was about to say, which the time has just flown by. So thank you very much. Yeah, do make sure you chop it up because people will definitely struggle to listen to all of that. But I've <laughs> yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Telling yourself. Yeah, but yeah. I've got to tell you, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So right. thank you for, for playing and having that um, conversation.